Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. Jeff, DW, Jason, and Tara Kay is back in studio with us tonight. Welcome back, Tara. Thanks. So good to have you back in studio. Great to be back. Kara K. What does K stand okay. for? Or is that a word no. or a letter? <laughs> it's a letter. And my, or is it a symbol? My last name is Kozlowski, but ever since, I think it was a typo or something that Jeff had on his phone. And so ever since then, it's just been Tara K. Well, like no. No last name. No, it's, it's Radio Secrets. Oh. So. Is that right, what radio right, means? Tara. Yeah. Tara, if if we could be politically incorrect here for a moment, what is your heritage? I am Polish and (laughs) German. All right. I thought the Polish part was in there. I grew up in Chicago in the the very Polish neighborhood. So everybody that I played football with was a ski at the end of their name. (laughs) Do you polka? They they were. No way. It's so much fun. Did I say that emphatically enough? No. I don't do anything that makes you move. (laughs) No, I, I'm, I'm Swedish. You like to move it. I'm Swedish. <laughs> and, by, you know what? and by move it, he means we, his toenail. That's, yeah, we, that's we, right. we eat bland food, and we don't tap our foot very hard. I mean, we just don't do Just that. slightly. I see you yeah, tap. Just slightly. You. Every once in a while, I'll move my fingers on the table, but not, not that much. I see you sway. Yeah, well, the sway is because... You know, I went to the doctor and, and he told me I had actually in my life broken my back in three places. So the sway is usually trying to get a cramp out of my back. It isn't because of music. All right, enough of that nonsense. But yeah, p- people are different, obviously. No, I don't. I don't do that polka dot stuff. I don't do it. Yeah, Dave, you got some. You got some things coming up here on the horizon uh, next weekend. I know you guys have a marriage retreat up at Silver Birch Ranch, mm-hmm. and uh, also a men's retreat coming up in May. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? We do. You know, the Art of Marriage Couples Retreat is really a small, intimate group of uh, uh, couples that come from all over the Midwest here, and they they spend the time here at camp for a weekend. And uh, really, it, the couples that have come have thoroughly enjoyed it and been challenged. Um, you don't have to have a, a marriage that's in a mess to want to go to this. If you do, this would be a good thing to go to, but you don't have to have that. Uh, we need to, to have some maintenance in our lives, and, and um, this would be a good weekend for uh, people to just get away. They can go to the website. It'll be on our HopeNet360 site and, and figure that out. And then in May, the first weekend, I do a men's retreat. And, you know, if you're uh, in the area, uh, you know, within 300 miles or so, if you're listening to uh, podcast, you want to take a, a plane into Green Bay, we can get you over here. Um, we, we would love to meet with you. And, and during the men's retreat, I just unload on you men on, on different things I'm thinking about from the Bible. And I would invite you to check that out. May 1 to 3 uh, coming up. So join us. And then after May is June, which yeah. means summer. That's right. I love summer. That's right, man. And and what happens in summer, Jason? Summer, oh, we party here at Silver Birch. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a blast. I'm actually in the process of building things for summer. All right. For uh, youth camps. So. For youth camps, yeah. Right. So if you're third grade all the way through high school or if you're a family, we have camps for you. So check us out, sbrsummer.org. 
and uh, it'll be fun. I mean, it's it's tax season too, so if, if you have an excuse, say, "Hey, go to your parents." Be like, "You just got a tax return." Hopefully, yeah. um, since you're since you're the, their biggest deduction, and uh, be like, "Can you put some of that?" Towards uh, summer yeah. camp. Well, you know what I heard, actually? I heard, and I'm no accountant, so please do not take this as an accountant advice or anything because I know nothing about money. But I heard that actually people who have child care, they use child care deductions, that sending your kid to camp qualifies. Ooh. It, it, because it's like daycare or something. I have no idea. But uh, really? those of you that are accountants or no accountants or have a, a friend that's an accountant, you can ask them if that's true. What a deal. That's I right. mean, you can't miss, you can't mess up on there's that. There's always got to be a loophole. Hey, you so. know, not only that, if you're like third grade to seventh, yes. I speak to the junior middler camps. I do. I love doing that. And Jason will be here. So why don't you come up and, you know, or if you're a parent listening now or whatever, you have a brother or sister, send them up. We'd love to be able to teach them the Bible for a week. So Absolutely. Uh, go take a look at the site. We'd love to, to be a part of your life. And you may even see Dave in a kilt. No. <laughs> potentially. How about a peep costume? Well, potentially you may see or, Jason in a peep outfit. Or in a polka dot peep costume. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Doing the polka. Swaying <laughs> left and right to the polka dot. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> It's for the kids, you can man. Only it's imagine, for the kids. Because it's not going to happen. You better have a good imagination. <laughs> yeah, all of those links are under our show notes tonight at hopenet360.com. Go there and check it out after the show tonight. We'll also post the podcast of this of, of the show tonight as well as past previous episodes. You can go and find those at hopenet360.com. So, guys, tonight we're going to have a little bit of a, an elephant in the room discussion. There's a lot of different elephants that are going on. Uh, kind of stampeding around our culture, things that people are talking about. So first of all, number one, I just want to make it clear what our point is on the show. Uh, we don't want to alienate or isolate different groups of people on the show. That's not our goal tonight. Our goal is really to foster conversations that do save lives, to talk about things that are difficult to talk about. Uh, that's what we do on the show every single week. We'll talk about topics. We'll talk about things that may not be talked about. And they're not talked about because a lot of times they're difficult to talk about. And we find that hope comes in when you're able to have an open, honest conversation, even if that means that you're kind of in some ways ignorant about a topic or you don't have complete full knowledge of a topic. Uh, honestly, I don't think any one of us has completely the full picture of this world, the things that happen, and see it in a full context. That's not how we see things, and yet we all have different perspectives, we all have different ideas, we all have different opinions, we have different experiences. So be a part of the Tweetback tonight. If you've got something to add to the conversation, hit us up on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. It's the Hobnet Radio Tweetback, and you can be part of this conversation as well. And talk about some of these elephants in the room. So uh, first off, guys, recently in the news, there was a young lady by the name of Monet Davis. Uh, have you guys heard of her before? No. Uh, yeah. I, I did. I, she's a, a baseball player or something, I believe. Like Little League Baseball, I think. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know much, but yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah, she pitched a shutout in the Little League World Series. So pretty prominent young lady. I mean, I think she's in her teens. And so she pitched a shutout in Little League. For me, I'm not a baseball player, but to pitch a shutout, uh, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, I don't know how many pitches they throw in a game, but uh, that's a pretty big accomplishment. So... Um, so she's been kind of renowned. She's been in sports news here and there. And recently, there was a, a guy uh, who plays baseball in college, and he tweeted out something highly inappropriate. We're not going to talk about that on the show, but it was it was very inappropriate to the extent where he got kicked off his baseball team and expelled from the college. He was he was let go from the college essentially uh, for the tweet 
for calling out Monet Davis. It went viral, and of course, uh, when you call out somebody publicly and it kind of takes off like that, uh, there's a lot of backlash for that on social media today. And I kind of want to get your take on this. You know, this 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 young lady, Monet Davis, went on Sports Center afterwards after this all kind of transpired, and and said number one. Uh, that she forgives him. She kind of understands where he's coming from. We'll post the video in our show notes. Um, and then secondly, that she emailed the college and asked to have that college student, that young man, reinstated at the college. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know how many times we see that uh, really from young people today, especially the maturity of this 13-year-old girl. I thought that was pretty remarkable. Yeah. You know what's interesting to me is we don't give people the space to be people. And this panel alone, have any of you ever just blurted out something you wish you didn't? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, today you can do it, and you can do it online. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? And and then it gets copied and pasted and everything else. I mean, years ago, it was pretty it's simple. They really didn't reproduce the telegraph blurt, you know, <laughs> because it was too much work. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but today, if you say something, so you, you guys know me. I am like one second away from saying something that I'm going to regret. You know, I mean, because sometimes my, my mouth works faster than my brain. And, and really, sometimes I have to just stop and say, wait a minute, that wasn't good. I mean, what I just said there was not right. And, and that's very characteristic of humans. You know, so I think when we let people be human, we're probably better off. In other words, somebody says something. I, I have a rule in life. I'll never correct somebody unless it's really major uh, murder or something, but I'll never correct somebody for just like one error I see. I want to wait till it's a pattern, and then I'll talk to them. Because all of us should give each other a little bit of a break saying, boy, that was dumb. He probably knows it's dumb. He probably feels bad about it already. So, And, and I think it's very mature, this 13-year-old. But we'd be better off if people could lighten up a little bit, talk to each other when there's a problem, when they see it, and realize that we're all humans, so we're going to say something stupid once in a while. Yeah, and social media brings a whole different dynamic to conversations today oh, man, in, yeah. in interpersonal relationships. I mean, this guy probably had no clue of really what things that Monet liked to do besides baseball, and yet he made a statement on her and something about her sexuality, and it was just it was highly inappropriate, and yet it, it kind of inflated beyond just a thing between Monet and this young man. It was like everybody saw it, and it kind of went viral, and everybody weighed in on it. So we're going to pick up this conversation when we come back. Remember, you can chat with a live coach anytime tonight at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back. This article about Monet Davis is it's fascinating. And guys, we're talking to the break about social media and how social media today is such a bigger animal than some of us even realize. You know, the fact that a young man could get kicked off of a baseball team in college just for one tweet calling a young lady someone that very it's very derogatory i'm not going to repeat what he said but you if you wanted to go and search the interwebs you can probably find it um but this this young man decided to try to create some kind of controversy or whatever i don't even know what his intent was with this tweet but all of a sudden it took off it gets him kicked out of the baseball team kicked out of the college and this young girl monet davis um some of the things about her she was the 18th girl to, to actually play in the Little League World Series, and she was the first one to pitch a shutout, which I thought was really interesting. So this this is a bright young lady, and someone you know says something. People say stuff on social media all the time to try to get a rise out of somebody else, 
and we see the positives of, of social media. This is one of those negatives of social media that people can sit behind a screen and say things. And now it can be read literally around the world. Like it's not even contained to like a letter to the editor like it used to be. It's like everywhere today. Uh, social media is something that it can totally inflate a situation. And we saw a good example of that in this article. And sometimes you say something so quickly in response and it's too late because it's already out there and there's no getting it back. You know? Oh, I yeah. Think, you know, so even if you said something, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I didn't say that. It's, it's tough luck, you know, if you respond that quickly yeah. with social media nowadays. And that changes things in an instant. I mean, that could be a case with this guy. You know, he might have been just whatever the reason is inventing. You know, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, you never know. You you never know. You know, people do that. I mean, he might have been drunk when he did it. Who knows? Who knows? That's what I was thinking. I really like how the school responded to it. I like how she responded, too. I think it was handled appropriately because sometimes you hear, you know, especially in professional, um, like in the NFL, there were some issues where people felt like the NFL should have taken those same measures to not allow players to play because of abuse that had happened and stuff. And so I really, really glad that the school responded the way that it did and that she was the one then to offer the forgiveness and ask for him to be reinstated. But yeah. I'm glad that they took that active step because he is a represent. If he's on there, I think he's on their, their baseball team at the school. If he's a representation of the school, then I think they responded in a very appropriate way. And mm-hmm. then it was her decision to forgive and ask for him to be reinstated. So I think that was ended yeah. the right way. Let me ask you the elephant in the room then. I mean, where do you draw the line as a college then? I mean, or any institution? I mean, if somebody's out there and they say something that, that is just stupid or whatever, they get fired for it now? Yeah, I think it depends on public backlash. That's what it kind of is today, the the PR statements. So on any on any college campus... Uh, there's a there's a guy. He's a football player, and he said something about a cheerleader. He should get canned from school. It's a good discussion. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing to say that's a great idea to take him in, but I'm wondering as an administrator myself. Okay, so I'm running a ministry, and I'm I'm thinking, all right. So Jason, who works here at Silver Birch Ranch, he he uh, he was walking through the Walmart line and. And uh, he told one of the checkout ladies to get a life or something, you know, and, and, and he walks by. And, and yeah. I go, you said that to a Walmart lady? You know, I mean, how could you do that? You, know, you can't work for us anymore. I mean, where's yeah. the line here? The big question is, when does it affect donations? When does it affect donors? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the bigger question. Money does drive this, let's, let's be honest. And that's not a negative thing. That's a reality. So if the college would have left this guy on the team or even in the college, that kind of serves as a reflection of maybe the college's values. That would be a question that would come up. You know, does is the college okay with this being on it? And again, it comes back to public backlash. You know what? Though that's something that didn't enter my mind. My mind first went to why did Jason say this? I need to help him. Yeah. Not not not. How does that reflect on who's going to give us whatever? I'm concerned about that down the road, but I'm more concerned with okay, Jason, quit telling the people at Walmart to get a life. You know, I mean, let's let's sit and talk about it, and you know, whatever it might be, but. I, I just wonder, again, the role of all this. Has political correctness gone, like, so crazy that we can't even, you know, it, let's say I were running that school, and I don't know what school it is, and this young man did that. It, first and foremost, I would wonder, am I responsible for everything on Facebook and Twitter and that everyone does? Am I, as a president of a school, responsible for that? And, and secondly, you know, if we care about this kid and he said that, can we bring him in and talk to him? 
so that we can help him think differently here. And, and what I would do is try and get him to actually write a public apology to this girl. And, and I mean it, not just like you're a kid growing up or something. And then work with him to try and get this thing solved rather than just say you're not here anymore. And maybe that's their way of getting it solved and maybe there's no time. Is there no time anymore to work with people and help them or do we have to cut them loose like right away? Well, we saw a good example of not necessarily a Twitter thing, but we did see um, with – what's his name? The quarterback of the Eagles, Michael Vick. Right. kind of saw that as well. You see this all over sports, guys that make boneheaded decisions and they have to to experience some consequences of that. Yeah. Well, there's a line. Yeah, but we also know from uh, from Michael Vick's experience that Tony Dungy went and took him under his wing. Right, right. So you still had people that reached out to try to help him, but the best thing for him was he had to be out of football right. for some time. And, and I agree with that. And I mean, there's a line here too that we have. You know, everything that that goes on at Silver Birch Ranch, Nuclear Bible Institute, I put it through a filter. It needs to be. It needs to be um, effective at our mission. And one of the, the next thing it needs to be is safe. And so if somebody violates, like us being effective at our mission or somebody violates the safety of people on our grounds, then, then I will immediately dismiss them from here. And, and that would be an immediate thing that would take place. So I'm not opposed to drawing a line in the sand. I, I'm just wondering in this day and age with, with media and, and all that kind of stuff, where is the line and, and where do we have the right to do that? And I would encourage our listeners, you need to be extremely careful about those first responses and putting something online because it can be there forever, even if you go back and try and take it off right away. Absolutely. And I think it, it ultimately comes back to the person that, that is saying or doing the things. You know, like you just said, it, it we can't necessarily say, all right, it's it's the college's fault for letting them loose. You know, at some point you need to own up for the things that you're willing to say or put into writing. And so you need to make sure that you don't put yourself in a situation where you have an open mouth, insert foot, you know, sort of experience. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can get in trouble for talking about Christ and the Bible on mm-hmm. a campus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and so, I mean, what we're talking about here, really, if, if we really believe in free speech as a country, if we really do, yeah. then we got to understand that there's going to be some hate speech out there. Yeah. There is going to be. But, but because we believe in free speech, that doesn't mean that hate speech is acceptable. It doesn't mean that we should look at it and applaud it. Mm-hmm. And sure, if we can stop it, we, sh- we should educate, work with, stop the best we can. But we're doing it to try and protect the people it's geared towards mostly. The person who's saying it, we should want to get better. But, man, there's a line there that I'm confused by. Where does free speech come in and any of this? And anyone that knows me knows I I am the most conservative guy you've ever met. So I'm not out there saying, you know, go crazy on anything. I'm just saying, where's the line? If I want the freedom to talk about Christ, does this guy have the freedom to talk about what he wants to talk about? That's my question. I mean, that's a good point, Dave. There was actually another recent, made me think of another recent article I saw. I didn't read the whole article on Facebook, but I've seen it pop up now about in California, they've been having some issues with some of the Christian campus groups, the Chi Alpha groups, and they're, um, some of the universities are not allowing them to be on campus anymore because they wouldn't, their leader had to be, they were saying, we want the person in charge of our group to be a believer because yeah. this is who right. we are. And the school said they could not allow, they were not allowed to be recognized by the campus anymore because they were discriminating. Right. And I mean, that that's just kind of what it made me think of when Dave was talking about that, because it's kind of the same idea. Yeah. So Christians are out. Christians are out there and this guy's out. So that's my question. I, you know, I think what this guy did was was wrong. And I think that if I were the leader of the university or whatever, I would have called him in. I would have done something. I, I'm not sure what I would have done. But but I really would have worked with him because I think he is wrong, and I think he needs to grow up. But 
where is the line? And that's where I'm kind of throwing the dart at, just trying to figure that out. And I think we were talking uh, earlier about when you put stuff out on social media, too, how much as you keep looking at it and keep talking about it, I mean, it's important to talk about it, but at the same time, are we giving it more recognition by continuing to discuss it. If you were to just say something and it not be on social media, you would say it to insult somebody and it would be done right then and there. But since it's on social media and people continue right. to talk about it, then is it making it bigger than what it originally right. was? That's exactly it. And, and the main point, though, is that, number one, words do matter. That even on social media, you can't always hear inflections. You can't always gauge you know, how they're trying to say this or how they're trying to communicate it. Something like what this young man said, it was very much direct and it was it was highly inappropriate. He deleted his Twitter account. He deleted the tweet. That still didn't stop the, the screen grabs that are out there. You could just grab the, the picture of it and post it everywhere. So it's out there. It lives on the Internet forever. And I'm sure if this young man is a, a wise young man, he's definitely regretting the choice of words that he used there. But, you know, social media today, again, you don't really get to see the context of it. Secondly, what this young lady did, Monet Davis, she exemplified forgiveness. And that's something that is remarkable. You know, this, this, this young lady could have been offended. She could have used it to leverage some other cause or to, you know, to kind of puff up her name. She's not doing that. She's taking the humble approach. And that's really remarkable that a 13-year-old girl gets this, understands that, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. She even said that in the Sports Center interview. So it was just interesting to me that this is a young girl who just gets it, who understands something a little bit different than maybe what other teenagers today see. So I just, I was inspired by it. It was cool. And uh, you can check it out in the show notes at hopenet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW, Jason, and Tara Kay back in studio with us. Thanks for having me back. It's yeah. really good to be back. Yeah, it's always a fun time when Tara Kay's in studio. You can join the tweet back with us right now. We're all on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. It's the HopeNet Radio tweet back. And uh, again, if you're just tuning into this show, we're tackling some difficult issues tonight and some difficult conversations. You know, we believe on this show that conversations save lives. There are some things that are harder to talk about, especially when they're dealing with headlines and people and situations, some of which we don't have any idea what the context is, totally what's happening. But especially that first article with Monet Davis, uh, fascinating article, fascinating person. Uh, I'd love to have her on the show. So if Monet, if you ever listen to the show, please just hit me up, hit hope at hopenet360.com. I'll talk to you more about coming on the show. That'd be great to have you in studio with us. Um, the second article, though, is a little bit more hard-hitting, and it's it's hard-hitting because it affects people, and there's some political connotations about it. So before we talk about this article, number one, I want you to hear our hearts on this. We don't aim to alienate people. We aim to have a conversation that's real and that it's important to have. And anytime you talk about stuff that is a little bit political, it tends to kind of segment people. They have their own opinions. They have their own um, worldviews on things. And and it can get messy quite fast. And uh, so this second article, guys, I hope we can have an honest dialogue about this, uh, about this gal who is now a mom, now a wife. And she wrote an article. This is going to be in our show notes. You can go and check out the article for yourself at hopenet360.com. Uh, but she wrote up this article that basically said, uh, even though I grew up with two moms, I believe the best structure for kids is to have a mom and a dad. And uh, just a fascinating article, one that you don't hear about a lot, because usually 
we have our own stereotypes of people who are LGBT, that they're much different than we are, maybe as Christians or just people in general. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of feelings about it. it. This brings up a lot of, a lot of sometimes negative feelings. People who disagree are looked at as people that are haters that don't like people who are gay or who are lesbian. And, and this is a difficult issue in the church to talk about. We were talking about the free speech kind of thing in one of the great parts of our country. We need to understand that people can, can think and talk and express themselves. Just because anyone talks or expresses themselves does not make what they say right or wrong. They're expressing what they're thinking. And, and that's imp- an important freedom to give people. It's important if you actually do know what you're talking about. Like if, if you can have an opinion about how to change a tire on a car, but there might be a mechanic that really knows how, and maybe they can guide you and direct you. But it, your opinion's nice, but there are some absolutes there. And in this in life, I think this lady grew up in a certain home, in a certain environment. She has the freedom to say, here's what I think. And and we should be able to evaluate what she says. That's all. And the way that we evaluate things, if we're Christians or believers, is by going to the Bible and looking at it there and, and having a right and wrong. But she should be able to, to say this. Wasn't there some other recently, some uh, musicians or something that were a gay couple that said they don't think that um, homosexual marriage is something that should be done, and and, and they they're getting beat up pretty good, I, I think. Uh, do you guys remember that at all? I didn't hear that one. Mm-mm. Yeah, there is. There are two guys that are in the music world or entertainment world, and anyway, same thing. I thought with them, you know, they're they're getting up saying, you know what, we are this way, and and we we basically don't think this is a good idea for marriage. And I mean, that's what they said. And and boy, people got all over them. It's like, why are you yelling at them? You know, it'd be like if, if I came in and, and I said, I, I like fish or something, and Jason starts beating on me because I said I like fish or whatever else. I, I have an opinion. I didn't say anything right or wrong there. Or peeps. Uh, no peeps. No peeps. Peeps would have a reaction that, that would be <laughs> legitimate. But, and that's a bad illustration. I'm just saying these guys are saying in our, in our lifestyle, in, and I'm not condoning their lifestyle, and I'm not saying their lifestyle is right. What I'm saying is they don't seem to even have the freedom to say they don't you know, think it's right to be married that way. Yeah. And and I think that's where we're having some real issues as far as being able to have conversations. So did this woman do we, that we know of, was there backlash about this article of people saying that she shouldn't be able to say this? I'm not even sure if there was back. I just saw it trending around. There were a lot of my friends that shared the article because it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see this perspective very much in the conversation where, you know, people who have, have grown up in a, a parent in a same-sex household uh it's it's a very different for some people it, it's hard i mean she even talks about how she was an advocate for same-sex marriage and and the lifestyle and everything and it wasn't until later when she became a wife she became a mom um and in a heterosexual relationship she saw how her husband had related to the kids and there was something that inside her was like i missed that mm-hmm. you know i i wish i would have had that and the point of the article isn't so much that she disagrees with gay marriage. It's actually that she thinks the most successful part for kids is to grow up with a mom and a dad. Uh, and then to be able to have those conversations. She goes on to say that kids that grow up in, in divorced homes, they have the ability to say, mom and dad, I love you, but the divorce crushed me. And it's been so hard. It shattered my trust and made me feel like it was my fault. You know, you've got kids that are adopted that, that can tell their adoptive parents, you know, I love you guys, but this is really hard for me. I suffer because my relationship with my first parents was broken, you know, and, and being confused and talking about that. They can talk about those things. But she said it seems like kids that grow up with same-sex parents, 
that they can't say anything. They can't talk about it because they're either labeled a hater or they're ignored. And again, this is a show where conversations save lives. How do we foster dialogues, whether it's in our family, talking about even the dysfunction that happens in heterosexual homes and marriages? Um, how do we talk about those things? How do we talk about things that are, are going on? How do we talk about the fact that we're disappointed with something going on in our own families, in our own world? It seems like sometimes those conversations are just difficult and we shouldn't ever talk about those things. I mean, do you guys see that? Yeah, I do. And, you know, again, I think it's if you actually know the truth, if you know what it is in life, you, you shouldn't be afraid of any dialogue because, because you have a reference point to go back to. And, and if your reference point is not really a reference point, if it's not really true, you still shouldn't be afraid of a dialogue because you're seeking truth. You're trying to figure that out. And, uh, and I love it when a young person comes in and just starts talking. One of the things I do with any young man that, I want, that, that I'm going to mentor, the, the first thing I ask him to do is just please be honest with me. I, I just want you to tell me what you're actually thinking. And they're so unused to that. You know what I mean? It, it's like, that's weird. No, I really want to know. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what you think is normal. I mean, do you find that, Jay, when you, you, you deal with young men that, you know, that that's an unusual it, it is unusual, and oftentimes when you say that, it's almost like, really, you want me to just be straightforward with you? Like they're not—they're so used to having a guard up and, and almost telling you what they want, what you, they think you want to hear. Right. And so when you actually say, you know, just be real with me. I want to—I want to know what you're thinking. It's—it's it's almost as it takes them by surprise, but it's almost you see them like put their guard down and kind of relax and be like, yeah. this is kind of nice to be able to just talk and not be. You know, and that's what about what the Christian community should be about. Because yeah. we're, we're be, what we need to be able to do is say, no kidding, you really think this way. Yeah. L- let me take you back to the Bible and show you what God says. And, and let, let's, take an, let's investigate here um, why you're feeling this way or why you said this or why. Let's take a look at it. Now, with real conversations like that, become, there are possibilities of having real answers. And, and so now you can do something. Now, if people are not agreeing that there's an absolute truth or whatever, okay, then, then really it can't go anywhere. Or if they're really not going to have an honest conversation, it can't really go anywhere. Because honesty in the conversation, I, I, I've said it before on this program, I wish that I was, when I was a young boy, when I got cut from the no-cut baseball team, I wish I would have told my dad that I feel like a loser. You know, I wish I would have said that. Why wouldn't I say it? You know, maybe I was thinking down deep in my heart, he might have said, you are. He wouldn't have, by the way. Mm-hmm. But see, I believe, so something stifled that question. When if I would have said it, I think my dad would have relished the opportunity to sit and talk with me about winning and losing and what that means. And yet um, I pretended like everything was okay. I didn't talk about it. I want to encourage our listeners. you got something going on in your heart. It'd be very wise for you to find someone who loves God, knows the Bible, and, and, and talk to them. Uh, and if you don't, you know, you can go to hopenet360.com. There's live coaches that are waiting to talk to you. T- you type out the question and start talking because it is important that you're honest and you give people that have an answer an opportunity. Yeah, and I, I think it's so important, too. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk more about how to have these conversations because, again, someone that comes to, say, you're a mom or you're a dad and you're listening and you're like, I don't know what to say if my son or my daughter comes to me and, and has these questions or you know, feels like they're being alienated or isolated in the family, that there's something that they can't talk about. They don't know how to respond. And I mean, for me, I mean, I've got young kids. I'm just thinking about the moments where 
you know, I'll get my kids asking me difficult questions and I don't know how to respond to those. I'm just, they're not comfortable conversations. So how do we have those? Join us in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Yeah, remember you can chat with the live coach at HopeNet360.com, but whatever's going on in your life, stay tuned. The second half of HopeNet Radio is coming up. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. So glad that you guys have joined us here tonight on the show. Have a lot of fun on the tweet back right now. Jeff, Dave, Tara Kay, and Jason on the tweet back right now. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Talk with us. Let us know what you think of these articles we've been sharing. Uh, if you missed the first half of the show, we'll post the podcast later on tonight at the end of the show. And you can go back and listen to every single episode we've done at HopeNet360.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, or just grab the RSS feed and you can put it in at whatever your favorite app is to listen to past shows and episodes and podcasts of your own. So check it out. HopeNet360.com is where it's at. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it in the first part of the, the show, Tara. But first of all, it's great to have you back on the show. Yay. And secondly, Damascus Road Project, that's kind of where you're a part of. I know you do a lot of other things besides that. But uh, one of the things that you're very much involved in is helping young women who are in the area of, of human trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, to get out of it and to get back on their feet and that sort of thing. So kind of share a little bit about Damascus Road and what you do and, and kind of the goals of it. Well, Damascus Road is a local organization in Wisconsin, mainly the Fox Valley area, northern and central Wisconsin. And we help victims of human trafficking and women who have been either involved in sexual exploitation, too. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, trafficking specifically, but um, we help women who maybe have come out of that life and need resources or a place to stay we connect them with resources we also do prevention training in schools classrooms churches um, with law enforcement with um, the tsa in hotels um, teaching them what are the signs that somebody might be trafficked or is being exploited Um, we teach parents especially too because it's something that definitely is happening in the schools and um we want to teach young people because they're going to be the number one reporters. They're going to see what's going on or changes that are going on in their friends that nobody else may notice. And what is really important being on this show is just such a great way to talk to teens about any kind of the whole idea of conversation, save lives because somebody's peers, somebody their own age, somebody's friend is going to be able to see what's going on in a person's life. And we want to encourage them to have that conversation because you might be able to save your friend's life who might be either being recruited or might be involved in this life. And um, you might be able to pick up on some of those signs that other people, maybe a parent or a teacher might not be able to pick up on. So um, we do all kinds of events in the area and um, like to share in the classroom. So if anybody, I know we've had lots of young people approach us about maybe they did a report in school about trafficking Um, So that's been really great helping us get awareness out there. But if you're Mm -hmm. interested and want to learn more about the topic, you can um, visit our website, too, or or contact me. You can email me um, because we'd love to have more um, access and more emphasis in the schools. That's where we're finding a lot of recruiting happening. So we want to make sure we're doing prevention training as well. And the best way to get 
into a school is by students really approaching their teachers or principals saying, we want to talk about this because this is important to us. Yeah, we'll post some links in the show notes at hopenin360.com tonight so you can find a, a link uh, to Damascus Road and, and schedule Tara to do some kind of a training or just be involved. Uh, I think it's such a fantastic thing. Uh, again, it's one of those things that it, it can be difficult to talk about. You know, sexual promiscuity today among our young people, again, looking for value. And, and again, people that are willing to pray and to use other people for their own benefit and their own gratification is it's not uncommon, unfortunately, and it's something that's happening today. So it's important to talk about it. It's also important to support organizations that do positive work to help change things, to change the tide of some of the trends. So Damascus Road is definitely one of those uh, great partner organizations. So uh, tonight we've been kind of tackling some difficult topics. Uh, the first half of the show, we talked about Monet Davis, and you can go back and listen on the podcast. And and even in this this uh, topic of you know the whole gay marriage and this this gal who grew up in a home of same sex parents and who now comes out and says you know I I wish I had a dad you know I wish that person would have been in my life uh, things might have been different and to even go to so far to to say something that'll probably ruffle some feathers and again tonight on the show our goal is not to ruffle feathers I'm I'm sorry if you get offended we're trying not to offend but yeah we're we're really trying to have a, an honest conversation we don't have all the facts we don't have all the realities we don't have all the the experience to go along with that in in some ways maybe that you do but we just encourage conversation because it's it's important when you have conversations real honest conversations it opens up doors for hope and we see so many young people today who feel discouraged, who feel isolated, who feel like they can't go to talk to somebody about certain things because it's taboo, it's off limits, people will, will judge me, they'll look at me strangely from that point on. And I want to tell you, that's number one, that's not what we do at all. We open that door for conversation. Live coaches are available to chat anytime, but literally any topic you want to talk about. So you can go to HopeNet360.com as well and talk to a live coach if that's you tonight. Guys, you know, we opened up the door for conversation how can we be ready to have those kinds of difficult conversations, especially ones that are uncomfortable today? What do you guys think? You know, I think you need to know the truth, and then you don't. You really can have a conversation about anything. If somebody came to you, like our federal agents, they really study the real dollar bill so that when a fake one comes, they can, they can notice it. They don't study the fake dollar bills. I really would encourage people to go and really spend time loving God. Knowing him, spending time in the Bible, studying God's word, getting answers from there. And, and, and then don't fear where the conversation goes. There will be people who reject what you say. But if you believe they reject you at that point, and, and they might reject you, by the way. That's an old satanic trick in a way. Stephen, remember, he would come and say something, they killed him. Jesus, they killed him. The apostles, oh, let's get rid of them. The ideology never went away. What they said never went away because it was true. But they thought they could get rid of it by killing people. We don't really solve any problems by just beating somebody up. And that's why Christians really turn the other cheek and, and that kind of thing. But in one sense, we have to get to where we're willing to talk about anything and position ourselves so that we're willing to let people talk about anything. And, and the way that we do that is by actually knowing what the truth is. The questions that people ask Jesus, I think sometimes nowadays— I mean, growing up in church, sometimes there's this pressure to be, well, these are the kind of things you talk about. And these are, I don't know where it comes from. It's just kind of the stigma of, well, you're in church. You don't really talk about these kind of things. Or I think people, my friends who are not Christians, maybe even think that, well, I can't talk to you about that because 
uh, or you wouldn't talk about that topic because you're a Christian. Or if I do bring up a topic, they are shocked about it. And they think that Christians are supposed to be live inside a bubble. And sometimes it can feel, I feel that way sometimes that I grew up inside some of a bit of a bubble. But when people would ask Jesus questions, he would answer them, you know, or, or he would respond to them. And there wasn't. How did he answer them? Do you remember? With a question. Yeah, more, mostly with questions. Yeah. When people asked him, and why did he answer him with a question? Do you ever think about that? Because he wanted him to think. Yeah. Yeah. So many times I think we stifle, when somebody comes to us, we stifle the conversation by not asking the question. We just give them an answer. Mm-hmm. And, and now there's nothing for them, nowhere for them to go if they disagree or anything else. We just gave them the answer. So if Jason came to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with, uh, you know, the Walmart people really drive me nuts. We'll go back to that one. My, I, sh- I, I could say, well, you need to love your neighbor. I could give him a bunch of verses. I could say, what? why? Why are they bothering you? Now, I'm trying to get into his head and let him answer his own questions. And, and I think Jesus did that. And I think that's part of having a good conversation is not necessarily having all the answers, but being willing to ask the questions and then direct it. Uh, a woman come, uh, at the well came to Jesus and, and, you know, he starts talking about her husband, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it's really interesting dialogue. But eventually, she's amazed by him. It would have been real easy to say, hey, you're, you're not what you should be. You're, I'm not talking to you. But instead, he asked questions that eventually brought her around to truth. In other words, there's no need to compromise in truth. It goes back to my earlier point. You better know the truth because if you're asking questions, you're going to bring people there. So you better know it. Yeah. And going back to the article really quick, we're going to switch topics again when we come back here on the show. But I think it's important to say, number one, we don't, I don't agree or disagree. We're not making a statement on the, the whole gay marriage issue and the political side of it. It's just interesting hearing this young lady's perspective that, honestly, it's not talked about. We need to have those places where we can talk about things. And Tara, going back to what you said, too, it just it's important to, I guess, for the church to not be looked at as a place where you cannot talk about sin or you can't talk about things that you struggle with, that we need to be open. I think the the notion is you go to church, you confess those things, you're going to be judged. You're going to be accused of something, you know, being uh, an adulterer or uh, a fornicator or whatever, like people that just struggle with different sin. Like we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. We shouldn't be afraid of what we think is going to happen or how people are going to look at us or if we're going to get kicked out of the church for struggling with those things. I think we need to foster an environment where we talk about it because, again, if the church has the greatest hope of the world in Jesus Christ— then why would we want to create any restrictions or any boundaries for people to actually come in mm-hmm. and find hope and find healing? The church has to be a place where it's about healing and not about judgment or about accusations or persecution of, of people who maybe aren't like them. And yet we still have to understand as individuals uh, that we come into a church not so that we can be comfortable, but that we can be changed. And not by the church, but by the, the really the awesome power of the Spirit and working alive and in us and helping us overcome. So that's the whole thing. That's the, the whole goal of the church is not to understand yourself in light of what the world says about you, but it's understanding who you are in God's eyes. So it's a bigger conversation. We're going to post that link in our show notes, and we'll be back here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Be a part of the conversation tonight. Some bigger topics that we're talking about tonight, some headlines, so we'll post all those in the show notes. And uh, guys, I know I left off with some 
pretty bold words. I mean, just about the church. And uh, we were chatting a little bit in the break. I, I think it'd just be good to kind of talk more about this. What is the goal of the church? You said something in the last segment. You said that part of the goal of the church should be that we um, promote healing. And, and I would agree 100% with you. But the question I have is, how do you do that and what is it? I mean, what is healing? Is, is healing tolerance? When somebody comes in that's sinful, do we just tolerate their sin and now they feel like part of us because of that? Is it that we pretend that those that are, are sick aren't sick? Is that healing? I was talking to a young man once, and he, had a, a, he was born with a birth defect. And, and again, I was a kid in a wheelchair, so I understand somewhat of those feelings. But I was talking to him, and, and there was an obvious physical birth defect that he had. And, and so as I sat with him, I was speaking at a meeting he was in, and I went over and found him in between. I said, hey, does this birth defect, and I, and I mentioned it, does this birth defect ever get in the way of life? And he looked at me, and he goes, thank you. I said, for what? You're not ignoring the fact that I look different. You're, you're not even frightened by it. Oh, no, no. I'm just wondering, like in a job interview, do they ever discriminate against you with this? You know, or anything like that? Because I was curious. He was so overjoyed that I would talk to him about it. He said, you know, most people pretend I don't have a problem. Hmm. They talk to me, and they're looking in my eyes, but I see them glancing at my birth defect. And I'm not going to mention what it is, but... It, glancing at it and then going back to my eyes and glancing at it, going back to my eyes and pretending it doesn't exist. Yep. You come, the first thing you say is, hey, what's with that? How, how's it, how do you live with that? Hmm. You know. And it wasn't that I was mean or angry or that I was making fun of them. I was naturally curious as to how somebody functions in a culture like ours that had that particular birth defect and, and how he felt about how people treated him. I'm telling you, you could see the healing go over his face. Not the healing for the birthday fight, but the idea that, you know what, this is out of the closet. And I'm thinking, it's been out of the closet. It's very obvious <laughs> that it's there. But nobody will talk to him about it. So when you say healing in the church, I, I wonder, is it tolerance? Is that is that what we're talking about? Is it just not talking about things and treating people the same? You know, when I was in a wheelchair, please don't treat me the same. I, I couldn't be treated the same. I needed to be treated differently. Not because I wanted to be, but I needed to be. So please do that. And don't make a big deal about it, but do it. Does that make yeah. sense? Or Mike? I... Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And as as we talk about the church and our response, you know, I think I think we need to understand that that truth is that when we talk about bringing healing and, and discussion to this situation, it's it's just having things be what they are. You know, whether it be a birth defect, whether it be you know sin that we struggle with, you know, we we all struggle with stuff. Right. You know, and and there's really no difference between the two. So let's just be real and honest. You know, and and we were talking about earlier about mentoring and stuff. And there's been times where, I, as, as I mentored young men, you know, different things come you know to the table, and because they can be real and honest with them, and they know that we're just dialoguing about it, there there is this sense of healing because they know that I'm I'm not tolerating it, but at the, at the same time I'm not you know pointing my finger down their face like, how, how dare you? Right. You know, they understand that I want to bring healing. And in order to bring healing, we need to dialogue about it in a way that is open and honest yeah. and real. And, and in doing so, that's when then you're able to, to shine truth into the situation and right. ask those hard questions. Yeah, you're not tolerant of, of evil because if you were, you didn't care about the person. Right. And God is intolerant of evil because if he did, he wouldn't care about us. But he's patient and we're mm-hmm. patient. The, the, the thing that the church is, is patient. And patience means that you actually see that this person can and wants to and will continue to develop and grow in that area. Yeah. That's patience. Tolerance is I accept this 
You will not grow. You are going to be this way. It will never change. That's tolerance. And Christians aren't tolerant. We're patient. And God isn't tolerant. He's patient. And we need to be those who are patient when we, we do this. You know, this young man that I talked about with the birth defect, it, it wasn't long before, you guys know me and I can go crazy, but it wasn't long before we were talking about, uh, I told him this, I said, you know what? God made you this way. There has got to be a really cool reason. You know, I mean, there's got to be something that you can do somewhere where you're going to go, something that nobody else can do that only you can do. And and he got all excited. We were talking the rest of the weekend about you know, I wonder what God has for you on this or that. Or it'd be really cool to try this. And and then we were talking about what he could do with this physical defect that he had to make life work better for him. Because then I, you guys know, I love to just start creating things that work. And and so I'm saying, hey, did you ever try this or that? What what I found was he was so refreshed with the dialogue mm-hmm. when years of being avoided was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just pretend it's not there. You can't do that. Yeah. It is there. And I think the cool thing in situations like that is you can almost see the weight being lifted off their shoulders a lot of times. And it's a physical thing. Yeah. Because all of a sudden they could just be open and honest and real, which is something that they've never had because people either ignored it or they just assumed what people thought of them yeah. rather than actually dialoguing about it. And I think that's the thing that keeps us from having those conversations a lot of time is that we assume the worst if we were to enter a conversation, yeah. we assume that they're going to attack us. We assume that they're going to think negative about us. Yeah. And, and we can't do that. Well, it, it happens, though. I mean, there's certain words that are still, I think, uh, buzzwords that, yeah. that get people really upset. For example, um, I actually, when I was a child, I was uh, being operated on. My hips were being operated on at Shriners Cripple Hospital. It was called Shriners Children's Cripple Hospital. Wow. Yeah. Now, since then, they've taken the word cripple out. All right. However, often when I speak about myself, I yeah. will say I was a cripple kid. You know, I, I will use that term. Yeah. Now, I'm speaking about me, and I'm speaking about a term that I, I, I lived with. I was fine with it. It really had a meaning to me, mm-hmm. and I was that. Mm-hmm. Boy, I tell you, I spoke once, and I used that term, and I had people lined up afterwards to tell me never to say that again and, and how offended they were and that kind of thing. I'm thinking, that's what shuts down dialogue. I was really not cutting anybody down. I wasn't saying anything about anybody else. I was saying, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm picturing the sign of the hospital yeah. in my head, thinking, what did I say wrong here? You know, I, I am talking about an experience that I had. No wonder people don't have conversations. They, they can't even talk in terms without offending somebody when they're talking about their life and what they're thinking. I wasn't trying to offend anybody or say that this. No, I was saying this is who Dave Wager was, and, and this is where I learned things. I, I was really, it really took me back for a while. And I told each person very calmly, you know, I, I wasn't speaking about anybody else. I was speaking about me. My doctor was the head of that hospital. Yeah, well, don't you ever say that again. And and now I have learned because I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat public. Uh, there's all kinds of words out there that you get yelled at for. Like I won't ever, I'll try not to say peep too many times on the radio because you, you get in trouble for that one. But I... <laughs> You know, there there are words that you can't use that are politically incorrect. And, and I think what those do is they stop conversation often. Yeah. Um, and, and some words should be banned, I think. Some become derogatory mm-hmm. and probably should be not used. Um, and, and I'm not saying that. And I know that's a whole other discussion. Where is it in the category? But I'm telling you, if a little uh, child comes up to me and they're on crutches and they say, well, I'm struggling with my legs. I'm a, I'm a crippled child. And I would go, oh, man, I understand. I wouldn't I wouldn't yell at him for their language at that point. Mm-hmm. I would start to talk to them about their life, 
uh, or if they have a, uh, a physical defect that obvious is obvious to everybody, I think talking about it. And by the way, there's a defect that's obvious to everybody anyway. It's called sin. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be okay talking about what it is. And we need to understand that everybody is affected by it and, and talking about that. Yeah, the one thing about you know this whole healing thing, and and I appreciate the question. You know, does the church is the church all about tolerance? And I I just I look at the question. Have you guys seen the the video called the nail? Do you remember this? I've heard of no, it. No, I, have I not. haven't seen no. it. I don't think. All right, I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. But it's it's about this husband and wife. I mean, they're portrayed as a husband and wife, and the gal comes walking in, and she's got this nail sticking out of her forehead. And the husband looks at her like, what in the world? <laughs> so it's it's a hilarious video, but it, it's basically she comes in and, oh, I got the worst headache. And he's looking at like, <laughs> you want to say something? But it's like every time he brings it up and, and at the very end, she's like, don't. <laughs> no, it's not it's not the nail. I just need to take a nap or something, you know. And, and it's a hilarious <laughs> video because it, it, it just shows that, you know, this is how people come into the church so often. They need healing, and yet they're unwilling to address the nail in their forehead that's causing the pain in their life. And so that's why we'll talk about these things is, is it's so important to help people remove those nails or the planks or whatever it is in their own eyes. Someone who's been down the road a little bit further that can help them kind of understand that so that they can heal. Yeah, you know what? My, my mom and anyone that's had a heart attack or stroke, you realize the person having the heart attack or stroke often says, I just want to go home and go to bed. It takes somebody else to say you're having a heart attack or a stroke. The church can be that. Exactly. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show, HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Jason, and Tara Kay in studio with you guys. Wrapping things up tonight, we'll post the podcast later tonight at HopeNet360.com. Make sure to subscribe. So if you go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast, you can find all the different channels that we podcast on, whether it's iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, it's all there for you. And these are shows where conversations save lives. And tonight we've had some of those conversations, some difficult conversations, and I don't think that we're right or correct. I don't think it's about being right on all things. I think it's just important to just have a dialogue about some of these things that really do matter. Well, Jeff, we can't be right on all things because one of the people we're talking with in this panel is a Bear fan. Oh, man, that's right. And one of the people in the panel eats peeps. So there are, there are people that have struggles here. Oh. <laughs> And that's why something. I'm trying to bring you guys to the light yeah. <laughs> and, to really, and to really see the truth. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Is there any, anything interesting in the offseason yet for the Bears? I haven't even, I haven't even kept up with it. Yeah, they had a burial of the whole team. But you know what, though? Here, we, here's we, what, we kept Cutler. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of Wisconsin's partying. Yes. You know, I mean, it's, it's like one of those things. Hey, you know what? This was interesting, Jeff. I mean, this will be interesting. Most people that listen to us have never met you or me, or Jason. Uh, some have seen our pictures. I don't know if we've flashed Jason picture anywhere yet, or, or Tara Kay. But, but you know what would be interesting? If people, I meet people quite a bit here at camp and others, and, and they, they will say, oh, you're Dave Wager. And, and normally the next statement is, you're not what I thought you looked like. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what do you think I look like? So you know what would be very interesting? If some of our listeners who'd never seen us would take a moment and sketch what they think each of us looks like and send it to us. I, I, I would love to see that just for the fun of it. Can I it, participate too? You know what we look like. Do they, then when they meet you, do the people oh, also say, you have a face for radio? 
Yeah. <laughs> two chicken legs and a yeah. two chicken legs and a peat body. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm just wondering. I think I think it would be very interesting if those who listened and never saw us before would take a moment and say, Well, I think by their, their sound of their voice and their personality, this is what they look like. Because when people say it's me, I'm at a loss, like what do you, you actually <laughs> formulate in your head what somebody looks like when you hear them talk? Oh, yeah. I do. I, 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 I often thought do that. Do you? Yeah. I've, been, I've wow. been told I sound like Tom Cruise. Hey, yeah, you don't look you like do. him at all. <laughs> <laughs> I picked, when I hear you talk, I picture oh, yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, I, I, yeah okay. That, that's probably true. But I, he doesn't look like it, so don't draw him that way. <laughs> Sorry for the deviation, Jeff. I just thought, you know, why not? I would love to see what people actually think. And, that, and that's part of conversations, like this. See, we're not afraid of what you draw. If, if you drew something and it was totally wrong, I would get a chuckle out of it. I wouldn't even be mad. I would think it's hilarious. And I would probably frame it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might throw darts at it in that frame, but, but it would give me a chuckle. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing because everybody has opinions about everything, and some of them are just fun to be a part of, and that, that would be fun. As we're talking in the break, too, about this, the, the interesting part of this conversation, we're going to elaborate on this more next week in the show, but talking about how you cannot make things that are crooked straight, completely straight again. It's just interesting, even in Ecclesiastes, the wisest guy to ever live, Solomon, at the end of his life, writes this book, Ecclesiastes. And one of the things, Dave, that you guys were talking about in the break is that you can't take something that's crooked and make it straight again. What does this mean? Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting. If I had a stick in front of me and it was crooked and I asked uh, Jason, if I bring it to you, Jason, I say, make this straight. Could you do it? No. No. But you could, really, if you broke it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say you couldn't break it. But the only way to make something that's crooked, that grew crooked, the only way to make it straight is to take it and break it and put it back straight. That's sometimes what we have to do in life. I mean, there are things in life that are just crooked. They're wrong. God says they're wrong. To try and make what God says wrong right is impossible. And I think we need to, in future programs, elaborate more on that, Jeff, because I think that's going to cause a lot of misery in people's lives as they try and make what's wrong right. Whether it be something that's blatant. I mean, if you want to make lying right, I mean, the Bible says that's wrong. Or, you know, we understand what God says about homosexuality. We understand what he says about adultery. We understand what he says about marriage. You know, if we want to make those things wrong in our lives, uh, that are wrong in our lives right, the Bible says you're not going to. It won't work. And down the road, you'll find that out. And uh, so it's very important to to look at that concept and talk about it more. And I think those will uh, really breed some very good conversations that can really save lives as we talk about um, what God's Word actually says about things and how we oftentimes want to try and make it different than what it says to fit us rather than what reality is. That's true. So join us next week for that show. Also, guys, tonight as we're wrapping things up tonight, I'd like to know some of your final thoughts. We talked about a couple of different articles, you know, the Monet Davis story, which I thought was incredible, a young gal who uh, experienced some persecution, some would call it bullying, and this guy, he was he was kicked out of his, his baseball team, his school, and she asked to have him reinstated, and I thought it was just, it was courageous. It was neat to see, again, real-life forgiveness. We miss that in our culture sometimes. We don't always see those stories where someone messes up, someone makes a mistake, and that grace is offered, forgiveness is offered, even when it's undeserved. I mean, 
she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to forgive him. Um, and then the other article, too, of the mom who said some things that were a little bit uncommon, a little bit uncharacteristic, kind of goes against the tide of our culture in some ways, we might say. Um, what are your guys' thoughts as we're wrapping up the show tonight? I think one of the things that we can take away is, is just to be mindful. We're, we're encouraging to have conversations because as you have conversations, you know, it allows you to bring healing in. But a lot of the ways that, that we go about it, whether it's over social media or, or too afraid to dialogue, we need to be willing to overcome those fears, you know. And so when you're talking about social media, don't say anything that you might regret. It's not the, the best way to have a conversation sometimes is just to, to, to throw out these, these statements, you know. And then at the same time, look for those people in your life, you know, that you can be open and honest with that can enter into those discussions to bring healing to it. Um, and I think that's really at the core of what we're talking about here is is we want to engage in conversation, but we want to do it in a way that's productive and helpful as opposed to just blurting out what we think is is our opinion. You know, let's bring it back to the truth and let's let's have these discussions. Kind of the other side of it from what we were talking about with free speech and how people are going to say what they're going to say. And something that I think somebody Social media can be helpful, too, because people write a lot of encouragement on there. And one thing I saw one day was talking about shame and how people can say things on social media and they're going to say things. But I think it's really important to how it's received by someone because you can choose whether you accept shame or not. Mm -hmm. So if you feel that shame, somebody might be putting that on you, but you can also choose to accept or not accept it, knowing where your worth and your value comes from. I thought it was kind of interesting they had celebrities often get funny tweets about them and, you know, the president and all that. And on one of the late night talk shows, they have a segment where these celebrities read these mean tweets about them. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. And I'm not putting that like making light of things because I think the words that you say can hurt other people. But I think it's also important to remember that people can say things on Facebook or on Twitter, but it's also how we receive them, too, and that it's important to know where our worth and value comes from and know that just because if somebody says something, we don't have to accept that. If we know that it's not true, then we don't have to accept that when we know when our worth and value comes from. Yeah. And I would just add very quickly, you know, a lot of communication happens from the nonverbal communication when you're looking at somebody, looking at their eyes, looking at their expressions. Uh, don't miss that. Don't substitute social media for actually talking to a human and, and, and being a part of their conversation and their life. And make sure you're talking to somebody who actually loves you and loves God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, social media, whether it's social media or interpersonal relationship, it's so important, again, also to understand that it's not about you. It's about helping others to find God, to know about him. And, and like you say all the time, Dave, loving God, loving other people, it's not about us. And if, if everybody would catch that vision, everyone would catch that understanding, our world would look so much different today. So connect with us on Twitter. We're going to hang out there for a little bit longer. Go to hopenet360.com slash tweetback or use the hashtag HNRTB. You, as you're going out through your week, I really do hope that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. So for all of us here on the show, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye. Later. Bye.